Welcome to Public Cloud for Public Good, a podcast talking about cloud sustainability and how we can use public cloud services to make the world a better place. Right, well, thanks so much for joining me today, Steph. So Steph Gooch is joining me today. She is a senior commercial architect from AWS. So um, officially, you're my first representative from a cloud provider. So thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself and, and what it is you do at Amazon? Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me. I feel honored to be the first cloud provider. I'm slightly stressed, but it's great. <laughs> It'll be good. Uh, yeah, so I'm, as you said, a senior commercial architect, and I work in a team called Optics. So we are resources that help large global customers, AWS, optimize their spend. So we're actual resources that help customers spend less money in the cloud, which does seem a bit weird, but we are there to support them and, you know, make sure that they're saving money, but also like what we're going to talk about today, being more sustainable because Amazon is driving this greener viewpoint at the moment which is great well definitely as as sort of like you know the largest cloud provider been ahead of the, the the sort of industry all throughout the history of cloud computing and yeah i'm glad to see they are at least pushing forward the conversation because i think we all know it's something we're gonna have to start caring about a little bit more the stuff on on the horizon and and you know reporting for example you know individual businesses are gonna have to report their carbon and that includes our cloud costs so let's see how that goes so obviously your role is very commercial and financial focused. So let's start there uh, and, you know, let's go through what is FinOps. So what does FinOps mean to you? Oh, FinOps. So I've been in the world of FinOps for a while now, but FinOps to me is thinking about how to make your cloud spend more efficient. So it's not necessarily about being cost optimized. I think that's where some of the connotations come from it. You're like, oh, you're just trying to cut costs. You're just trying to do a report and see how much you're spending. And that is some of the elements of FinOps is a big part of it. But in reality, it's more about setting people up for success so that when they're spending money in the cloud, they're spending it on what they're actually using. So being more efficient overall. So as a business grows, their spend can go up, which is oftentimes a great thing. If you're getting thousands and thousands of new customers on, say, your application, you might need to spend more in the cloud. And that's a good thing. But you just want to make sure things like your unit cost, which maybe we'll go into later, but your kind of usage is correct to what you're actually utilizing in the cloud. So I always used to say this phrase, which is, I say, use what you need. Because the idea being that if you're spending money in the cloud, you don't want it to be on idle resources and things like that. So yeah, that's a big part of FinOps for me. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to be the most cost reductive, you could just turn everything off. But that means that yeah. you're not going to deliver anything like, you know, your business, especially brand new businesses, startups, you see it all the time. It's like, you know, you're a platform business, you're a SaaS business. Uh, it is built on the cloud. So as you have more customers, more data and everything else, your costs are going to go. But it's about yeah, being efficient and, and that word efficiency, because, you know, I think this is for me and my journey to FinOps as well. And, and I'll touch on a little bit of that as well. So I uh, worked in cloud for, for a little bit, uh, mostly just in migration. So like, you know, I worked with a few different product teams who were doing migrations to cloud. So I started to learn about the cloud. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to apply into a role at the UK Home Office, which is a government department in the UK, and basically became the first product manager for public cloud. And I guess eventually the head of cloud and cloud policy, I guess, for the department. So while I was in that role, it was suddenly like, oh, I have to care about the cloud costs for the whole organization <laughs> here. Like, hold on a minute. I'm getting an invoice from Amazon every month for like, you know, millions of pounds. Uh, and, and, and how do I start having this conversation? And, you know, it, it's, it's hard when you start speaking to people because it's like, you know, okay, where's the motivation? How do I get people to care about what I'm talking about and efficiency? 
is definitely part of that. And then for me, and, and I left that role and realized sustainability is a big part of it. So that's why you're here today on Public Cloud for Public Good. And we're going to talk a bit about sustainability as well, because at the end of the day, that's a lot more motivational. And that is all around efficiency and not just of cost, but of carbon, of all the other impacts of cloud. Yeah. So I think just yeah, being more efficient and, and you'll be better off. I just I think that's one thing I, I wrote this out yesterday on a website on, on something I'm working on. And, and I was just talking around like, at the end of the day, if you see everything through the lens of sustainability and make decisions from that point of view, the same way Amazon says AWS, uh, AWS security is job zero, next yeah. part of that could be that sustainability is is day one or, or, or job one and, and how you view the world. Because there's so many things that it can be beneficial for other stuff. So not only will you save costs, you may even reduce your security risk, like deleting all that old customer data that you don't need anymore helps you with your security as well. And, and I think, you know, there's so many benefits for looking at the world in this way. So, yeah, I mean, you've touched on like so many amazing points that, that I said and things like just going back to what you're saying about everyone turning everything off. So I remember when I first started getting into this, that's kind of I didn't think about that much. But when you say to people be optimized, that can sometimes spring to mind. And there was an old director at my old company and I was like we should try and like push everyone to be more sustainable and be more cost effective by turning off the things they don't need anymore and we could like do a kind of uh, a prize for it maybe kind of go for the carrot bar rather than the stick version of this kind of concept and really encourage them to give out like fun events or like to like drinks and he's like Steph if we do that they're just going to turn everything off and I was like what do you mean and he's like if you promise them drinks for for saving money just going to turn everything off for a day and i was like oh yeah that's not right <laughs> and so i realized i had never really because from my point of view i understood the world of it and i understood the goal would be to find those idle resources and get rid of them but he was like that's not what's going to happen and yeah that's a big a big challenge so finding efficiency and measuring people by that is really important and the way that you encourage people to get involved with that is really cool and also your point about security is great especially when i often think about security and cost management and governance go hand in hand because i'm not a security expert no one ever asked me about security questions please don't you don't want my help i'm not good but what is good is when i think customers are like okay how do we deal with the governance i'm like well how do you review this kind of stuff when you talk about security or when you do your reporting on patching just throw in reporting on costs as well so there's lots of things that you can go hand in hand with um, and i think there's just massive overlap so yeah just wanted to, to mention that Oh no! I mean, again, you know, you're bringing loads of great points in as well, and and I really want to touch on them all in in some way. But you know, in in the efficiency of the list we've got, and and you know, me repeating myself a lot, I think that security element and and, and just opening up the conversation I, that is always almost the, one of the first steps. Like, you no, know, that's how I tackled my problem when I first took over at the home office. Is like, okay, how do I at least show back these costs to teams? And that involves measurement. So, you know, start measuring it first, start attributing it to teams or people or whatever it is in your organization. And then you can kind of go from there. And I think, you know, there's so many cool things these days that you can look at in terms of maybe even getting that in Slack channels. Like, you know, if you wake up before your daily stand-up and there's your costs for the last 24 hours and how it's changed, you know, that's going to make people think about costs more often. And like, it may not make a difference in day one, but, you know, day 10 when they notice that there's a big, price spike, then yeah, they'll definitely do something about it. I mean, how many times have, have we have we heard of teams testing out a new database or load testing or, or whatever else? And oops, forgot to turn that one off yesterday. And yeah, I think it's sort of about building that culture, isn't it really, when it comes to FinOps? Yeah, definitely. And giving people ownership. So I mean, one of the things we we're going to talk about is like how to get started, like you're saying, day one. And definitely an ownership strategy is a massive part of that. 
making sure that there's no orphaned accounts. It's kind of that every single account that you create in your Amazon uh, organization has an owner, whether that's a team or a person, maybe don't tag it with a person's name because people do leave companies. And that's something we learned the hard way. But just making sure that it's got some kind of connection to a business unit or a cost center or something. So there's some kind of ownership so that you're not worrying about this extra spend that could be happening. And then if you find optimizations in that account, you can know who to go to or what team to approach to try and get them to do it. Because that's like a big risk. The same way as you don't want idle resources being in an account because they are a security risk. Uh, so yeah, that's a good, definitely a good first start is getting to see that data and understanding who owns what. Definitely. So yeah, talking about day one then and how to get into FinOps, if that's what an organization needs to do, what can we do as individuals? Because one of the things I find when I speak to people who are interested in FinOps is it's not just a simple journey. I mean, for a lot of us who started several years ago, it was before the concept really kicked off. So, you know, there's no clear career path. You don't go from mini FinOps person to senior FinOps person, uh, especially because some of these decisions are based on trust and they're very big decisions. Like, are we ever, got, are we ever gonna have enough junior roles to make RI purchases or savings plan decisions uh, when that can be quite a big commitment? So, you know, what do you see getting started in FinOps looks like today? Yeah, it's interesting when, I mean, I'm the same, like you said, we've been doing this for a while. So my role came about uh, purely because I was doing a dissertation for a master's and uh, chose to do it on cost optimization and visualization in the cloud. So that was my gateway into FinOps. And I, at the same time, just coincidentally, the FinOps Foundation, which is a great organization, shout out to them. They're great if you are a FinOps practitioner and you want to learn more, it's a free place to join. You can go and connect with networks in your local area or networks globally and learn those. So just shout out to those guys. But yeah, so connecting with them and I learned, I kind of started off there. And the reason was that we didn't have, I thought it was an interesting topic for my dissertation because one day I literally saw a printout of the bill and was like, oh, wow, is that how much we spend on cloud? I thought cloud was quote unquote cheap, uh, which is a lot of the reasons why people move to the cloud is they think it's going to be most cost effective. Now, to be fair, I was a graduate and had no idea how much data center costs. So it probably was cheap in comparison because we were shutting down the colo. But yeah, in comparison, I was like, well, that's a lot of money. Does anybody actually look at this? Because I, I, I vaguely know that someone's paying the bill because they have to be. But who is paying the bill and how do we track it? And, and how do we see these costs? And I got really into it and I thought it was just an interesting challenge to look into it. So, mm. and then that kind of led into the creation of the role of Fenofidomps uh, at KPMG. And that's where I started the team. So mine was just kind of, I'm going to do this, but more and more we're seeing that people are really getting involved in, and there are job roles opening up more and more because people are seeing it as a specific thing that's needed. I would associate it the most with things like CCOE teams or center of excellence teams or governance teams, central ones that are managing lots of different things. FinOps can kind of fall into that area. So if you're in that kind of ballpark where you get to have an overlook, you're looking over your entire organization, that's probably a good area to be in. Yeah, so it's a, it's a bit accidental, isn't it? You're sort of like, something happens, there's a crisis, or your bill starts to get out of control, and suddenly there's a need for FinOps. And yeah, that starts to happen when you get to a certain side, especially, like I said, enterprise organizations, because we're making these big migrations, we're putting the big commitments in place to sort of say, okay, let's start using the cloud today. And then two, three years down the line, it's a lot bigger than we expected. And I think that's a common cycle when it comes to cloud, especially even on individual teams. It's, it's like, okay, we build, we build, we build, because we know the products going bigger we know we're getting customers or we're doing the migration and then we start to see it sort of grow out of control and no one really knows why and what's really going on and i think that's where then you start going oh i need finops or i need expertise i need someone to help 
So yeah, there's definitely that way. And I think, you know, there's also that in the, in the startup element. You know, you probably have a lot of startup founders and small teams who, you know, you might just have maybe the head of the platform or, or, or the kind of the tech lead who's, who's grown with the company who then suddenly have to start caring about cloud costs. Because, you know, I think particularly your AWS credits might run out. A lot of startups can benefit from hundreds of thousands of pounds of, of, of credits in the first few years. And then at some point... Uh, that's going to be turned off and, and you have to start paying the bills. Just, yeah, that's when people start caring. So that's really interesting. Yeah, a definite cost shock can happen <laughs> in a lot of that thing. And and just to finish on the, the road topic before we move on, what's also interesting is you're saying exactly right that a lot of people end up in this situation by accident and then someone has to deal with the problem of cost optimization or cost showback, things like that. And it's kind of a eeny, meeny, miny, mo. someone gets picked to uh, to deal with it. But that's quite a good thing because it means that in a lot of different ways, we're quite a general organization when it comes to what kind of job role it is. So we see a kind of hybrid of developers, finance, and kind of project managers, I would kind of generalize the third one a little bit, or stakeholders who would become part of the Finance Foundation and also start to care about this kind of stuff. And they all come with a different goal in mind. And that is often... Um, quite a big challenge when people are starting a FinOps team is what person do you hire with those different hats on? Do you hire a developer and then have to teach them about finance? Do you hire a finance person and have to try and teach them how to code? Because that can sometimes seem a little bit daunting for them. Or even a project manager who is just a generalist looking at lots of different things. But it does allow for things like the community to build. And then for that, if anyone is thinking of that, I always like to think of what goal are you solving? So if you're trying to deal with automating all of your infrastructure deployments, maybe choose a developer, whereas if you're trying to manage all of your kind of invoicing and your reporting and your chargeback, maybe go for the for the finance person. But yeah, just to finish off that topic. No, I know it's a really great point because I think in some ways as well, I would hazard to even suggest that it doesn't really matter because what really matters is is one of those people are passionate about it. If they really care about the problem and they're going to put the effort in to learn more because you know, up to a certain point, FinOps is is something you can pick up. Like if you've already got a bit of background, whether that's knowledge of cloud, developer code, coding as a developer, then yeah, go and follow some guidance and workshops and you can actually get going quite quickly. Yeah, compared to sort of like, you know, picking a developer who actually really wants to work on the platform <laughs> or really wants oh, yeah. to build tools for customers and, and suddenly he's he's staring at spreadsheets and, and bills because, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, you you know, you as a graduate were like, oh, wow, look at that bill. And and one of the things I find fascinating about the uh, the invoices and the bills in particular is they're in alphabetical order. Like, you know, it's so funny because you kind of get this list and you're like, this is hard to pass. Like, I'm never going to use this PDF because it's just in a random order that like I would expect at least like the biggest line items first but yeah it, it, it I mean there's loads of those little things for me early on in the career where you're just like yeah it made me care about it more and more because I kept coming across these problems and, and wanting to solve them and yeah the, the final thing I'd say on is if you're interested in, in learning about FinOps you know have that passion and and yeah again for sustainability if you're passionate about reducing carbon and contributing to climate change then this is also part of how you can do that as well that i think that's what's going to sort of drive better people in the industry if if you're really passionate about it oh yeah definitely so so coming on to you know i've ended up in this role accidentally or otherwise <laughs> or i've chosen to be here what, what would you recommend is is they get started so it is actually day 1 now and they have to start kind of caring about their bill where do they go in the console what are the tools should they look at and yeah what 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 does day 1 look like these days yeah there's a there's a lot of good things out there you need to go and enable some stuff so i'll just jump through a couple of really good tools that amazon has specifically that 
you can do. I mean, other cloud providers do exist, I know, and they have their own versions of these. So just make sure you check out what you're actually utilizing. So the first one is uh, make sure that you have enabled something called Cost Explorer. That's our native dashboard tool. It's just got a little bit of a revamp. So um, that's coming out now. So you can check that out. But yeah, it's a fun, really useful tool that allows you to group and filter your data, but you have to enable it. And it can either be done in your management account or your linked accounts, but it is the kind of gateway into seeing costs that is just really simple. You can click around, hardly any work needs to be done and you can export the results into a CSV because everybody loves a CSV, no matter how nice a dashboard is, uh, is the case. But yeah, so that's the first one I would recommend. If you want to go a little bit more deeper, a little bit more granular, then I recommend the cost and usage report or the CUR as it's known. And this is one of my favorite things It is when I kind of discovered it, it was a headache, but now I have grown to love and appreciate the beauty that is the cur. And what it is, is a massive set of data that's put in an S3 bucket every single day, every 24 hours, and it holds all of your usage and cost data. Everything across your entire organization is put in this bucket. And then if you choose, I won't say the right format, the f- a good format, which is Parquet, means you can use it with Amazon Athena, which is a serverless database. So you can query that data. Now, if that sounds a bit, daunting it is to start with i think i like remember trying to be like what is this i've got to learn sql now i wasn't really familiar with it i'd never heard of athena but there is maybe you can link in like the show notes or whatever uh, some well-architected labs that are some how to get started with cur queries and i run a twitch show which had some videos recently about writing your first cur query so there's a lot of resources out there to get started and even just doing like select all and previewing the table you can at least get a feel for the data Uh, My step manager, Alex, always tells a story. And I love to tell the story because I think it's funny that she once printed out the entire of her previous company's care and then laid it all down just so she could see it and read it. And she hates me telling that story. (laughs) But yeah, it's but it makes sense because that's a way. And then she could go through it with a pen and be like, okay, this is this and this is this. So yeah, it's a really good I'm going to have to just raise the the, the climate thing of like all those poor trees for the Amazon Amazon care file. I I, I can't imagine doing that in some ways because like I I, kind of gives me an idea of the scale of the company she worked at at least because you know when i first opened up my care file which was 15 terabytes for my organization i don't think i'd be printing that out anytime no soon. it definitely she definitely didn't print it all out uh, no but that's a good point i mean in that the size of the file so a lot of customers will start with their care file now but our csv i love a csv i can print it out or i can just get it open you can't like it's you can't open big. it. Don't try and open it. You I've done don't it. Don't try and open it. The amount of Mac, like it just crashed. Because I'd be like, why can't I do this? And then one day I was like, oh, I found out about Parquet. And I was like, oh, actually, when when I started, you had to use a Redshift database before you could uh, use serverless. And Redshift is a lot of energy, so a lot of cost. So yeah. uh, serverless all the way. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah. Just touching on what Steph said earlier on is is when you're making the decision, you're day one, you're coming in, you've turned on your Cost Explorer console. Just just throw on the cost and usage report because. It, it is only from that point in time onwards. So you have to have it on and you have to have it exporting to ever use it. Uh, and even if you can't use it in the first few weeks, even if you don't get round to building these SQL tables or, or whatever else, it will be there. And, and to be honest, I think that's the most important. So yeah, choose Parquet, uh, get it on as soon as possible. But watch out in some ways is it, it will cost you because that S3 bucket is on top of uh, the usual reporting. So it'll just add to those S3 bucket costs, which in the grand scheme of if you're, if you're spending enough on the clouds to, to, to sort of sh- see that figure, it's not a lot, but it is it yeah. is interesting. It's, it's one of those problems that I came across is like, you know, when we were looking at setting up a cloud center of excellence, 
how do you get the money to fund a cloud center of excellence and what are those associated costs? So one of the things we had to do when we build people back and said, hey team, we know you've used this much. We put a little bit on top to cover all of our central team's costs, those S3 buckets, the actual staff doing the work, but it all adds up uh, somewhere. So just, yeah, to keep an eye on that one as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And just like you're saying, get that S- just get that curse set up. I preach it. It's, it's like the one hill I'm going to die on of just like, please do it. And also just my, my little tips, make sure you choose Parquet, make sure you click the overwrite box, make sure you enable resource IDs and make sure you do it hourly. The hourly will cause it to be a lot more data than daily, obviously, because it's going to be per hour, but the granularity you get is really worth it. The amount of times I've spoken to customers and they haven't done one of those four things and they have to go reset it up, that's so annoying for them. They're always like, oh, but I've been collecting this data and we're like, oh, that's, we can use some of it, but it, it's not like the, the best. And so just, just set yourself up for success with classic phrase, but do that. But yeah, 100% going back to the CCOE team, how do you how do you get that money together? And a, a lot of the time, I mean, when I was starting out, I would do that thing, which I don't really love now is just being like, okay, I'm going to save this much money and that's my salary. And I was like, okay, I've done it. I've covered my own salary, guys. Like I've done it. And that's very temperamental on how much of a change you can make. So maybe don't do that. But again, like looking into it, the investment is often worth it. And um, when you do things like chargebacks, and we did the same thing, we had a centralized account that all of the security team used and the FinOps team used. So all the Lambda functions, all the buckets, all that kind of stuff, we just redistributed proportionally to the linked account. So if a Linked account was 10% of the entire Amazon bill. They pay 10% of our CCOE team fees because everyone is benefiting from that reporting, from the invoicing, from the security patching work, the automation. So it's a kind of, it's a generalized old fee for being in the cloud. Did you do yours with Excel as well? Or was that just me? Did you do it with Excel? No, I did it in the, what are you talking about? Uh, you when you were KPMG, it. when you first started yeah. back then. Ah, well, you got ahead of us. We were really, oh, let's say we, it was me. We, we were like, obviously, <laughs> having to add this in to sort of the, the, the Excel table every single time we iterated on the, on the, okay, what is a central cost? So yeah, it was very ah. fun when you, when you're pulling in like, you know, the cost of enterprise support because that gets billed to the payer ID or the management account and it doesn't show up attributed across all of the individual accounts. So that can be a surprise cost as well because that was some when we first started offering our service and we said, well, we're, we're making this fairer and we're, we're, we're going to do this properly, people started then to go, well, my team only costs this much. Why are you charging me more? And that's when I'm like, well, actually, here's all the benefits we offer. Here's me paying for your support bill, which is actually the big, big number here. Don't blame me. And then, you know, the security is a good one. I like that one because we, we did experiment a little bit that we never combined them fully, but there was definitely some shared costs. And at the end of the day, that is the we called it like the um, oh God, we, we must have a name for it. But yeah, we had sort of like a line for our VPNs, for example, the VPN cost for everyone to use them as a shared service. We had to attribute that somehow. And and yeah, that's when you start to think about these central products and how people consume them, how they should be charged. It, 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 yeah, FinOps, it sounds like, well, uh, I mean, the one thing is it sounds like uh, yeah, if you're a company of any size, you're going to have to get to these problems at some point. So good luck. You know where <laughs> we are if you need any help, especially Amazon. You know, you've got great teams like Optics and, and, and your account manager and your trusted, uh, trusted advisor and your technical <laughs> account manager 
and you, 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 you know your essays and everything you know everyone just wants to help I, kudos for example i think we haven't touched on that yet so now you've got your care file in parquet and you can start following some of the, the workshops available on aws you can set up something called kudos which is the cost and usage dashboard something something oh do you know <laughs> this literally is in a chat because somebody asked that question and i could possibly but i mean to be fair it's it's an interesting point because there's a lot of different names to get thrown around for this thing basically they're kudos this is one of the cloud intelligence dashboards. There's also, which is known as the CID. There's also the cost intelligence dashboard, which is also known as the CID. And then there is Kudos and the Kudos framework. So of course, everything is overly complicated, but to break it down and simplify it. Oh, I've got it. Cost and usage dashboard operational solution. That's what uh, it's operational solution. I couldn't have got that in a million years. Shout, what a, yeah. shout out to Rem who answered that question in Slack the other day. <laughs> shout uh, out to the Amazon it. team who named it that. I, I I do like the fact it has kudos because yeah, whatever the other stuff doesn't matter. It's just kudos now. So yeah, you just like those kudos. <laughs> but they're really cool. There. So uh, yeah, for summary, if anyone's not heard of them, they're like, what are they saying? Well, there was a cause where a customer wanted to be able to create a dashboard in QuickSight, which is our, our uh, BI solution, sorry. They wanted to be able to an analyze their cost and use report. And what they did was uh, someone in our team, a person called Ali Whitman, who's left now, she created a dashboard for this customer. And then it started to kind of get a lot of traction and then more customers want it. In parallel was a team of people doing a similar kind of job inside and they all kind of combined it into this cloud intelligence dashboard. So basically what they are is a set of pre-made dashboards that sit in QuickSight that go over the cost and use report. The reason why this is really important and really beneficial to set up is they are deployed within a couple of minutes. They all sit within your account. So unlike other kind of tooling that might be available, it's all within your Amazon account. You're just paying for the licenses and it's quite inexpensive for what it is to provide these dashboards. Plus my favorite thing about it is that you have full control over the dashboard. So they are set and they have a bunch of tabs with lots of different visuals, lots of different insights that you can use. But say, and then my customers do as well, say these things are a bit, it's a bit too many visuals or it's a bit overly complicated or you want to add your own data in. Maybe you want to bring in the security cost and distribute your, your enterprise fees across the board and you want to add your own calculations in. You can do that in QuickSight because you own the dashboard. So you can go in, edit your analysis and kind of create your reports that you then share out to all of your individual teams. So yeah, really recommend going and setting them up. They are, you only pay for kind of users and maybe some data charges in QuickSight. So like I said, inexpensive. And the best thing is you can just go deploy it. And if you don't like it, just delete it. There's no yeah. long-term commitments. There's no contract. You can just kind of spin it up, have a go, see what you like, steal what you like if you want to use it for somewhere else, and then uh, delete it. Yeah, there's two parts of this which I want to focus on is in terms of one thing I really love and, and one thing I don't love so much about, well, kudos and some bits. But one thing I really love is, is kudos uh, and the other things that form part of the cost intelligence dashboard. And there's also a well-architected dashboard as well, uh, which I definitely recommend because uh, you yeah, bring in security. And if you're not familiar with the well-architected tool, uh, that kind of can bring up a, a reports on on sort of like reviews. But part of that is Trust Advisor as well. So we used to use Trust Advisor a lot for the financial mm -hmm. elements as well as the security elements. And and that's where we started to bring those conversations together is what is the benefit of our Cloud Center of Excellence team is, you know, once a month, we'll send you a report with stuff from Trust Advisor and, and those other parts. But yeah, 
wanted to highlight that you know these are all great dashboards uh, and actually my team we were sort of using uh, a lot of these dashboards before they came workshops because you know the, the team of essays uh, that were part of, of, of building them you know they all communicated my essay used to get me regular updates and, and publish our <laughs> sort of trust advisor reports using the the sort of quick site dashboards and it was you know really useful for us when, when we were using it so that's one thing I love because that customer sort of interaction, that's where it came from. Customers needed more. So Amazon yeah. went away and gave them more. And and I like the way it is, like you said, it can be turned off. It uses stuff that's already there. You don't need to go buy any separate licenses or anything else. But, and it brings me back to something you said earlier in, in, in the conversation when you were setting up the care file, why are customers allowed to make mistakes? Why isn't the Cost Explorer tool just as good enough to do all of these things? And why do I have to go and set up a care file and make a mistake by not putting it hourly or not clicking the right button or turning it into a CSV. It's like, I really wish Amazon would do a little bit more to kind of guide you down the right path in some ways, especially when it comes to the products <laughs> inside the console. <laughs> but I'm sure your team's involved in those conversations all the time. Oh, yeah. And and any feedback, and I haven't said it yet, I always have to promote my, my brand, but um, I'm on Twitter and I'm on all the socials at Lift Like a Nerd. Side notes about I'm a nerd and I do lifting. That's basically my persona. But any questions or queries around this kind of stuff that we talk about today, please feel free to get in contact. And that's why part of the reason why my Twitch show has been kind of in demand from the rest of the Amazon kind of cost aware people, uh, which is the keys to AWS optimization. And that's the show where we kind of talk every week about optimizing in the cloud. And we talk about a lot of this stuff, like setting things up right. In terms of why it's not there, I, I understand the same thing. I would be like, why can't this just be in the account? But then it's because it's your account. And I think that's the big thing. A lot of services you have to enable and set up yourself. Like even it could, even Cost Explorer, you have to turn it on to kind of accept that. And the same with the Cost News Report. You have to accept that we're going to put data in your account. So you need to make sure it's the data that you want and it's the fee you're going to be paying for that data. And so I think that's where that barrier is. And it is so simple to set up. I've got a load of, I actually started building back when I was a developer, some solutions around like auto set up this stuff and um, which I really should get back to doing and uh, and, and promoting it more because it was a tool that you basically just be like, yeah, I want it. And it would do everything and just set everything up for you. Yeah, bring that back. Bring I mean, those back. workshops are almost like that because I've, I've deployed them myself, cloud formation templates. You know, all you have to do is, is really get that set up. You know, you, there's a bit of fiddly stuff around configuring the names of S3 buckets and making sure everything's in the right place. But yeah, it's almost click and deploy. So it's, it's not too get, hard. We're getting to that stage. That's what we really want to be. That's where I want to be because the amount of calls I've had people setting up these dashboards or curves and it's it's probably not fun for them they might enjoy it it gets i love speaking to my customers but it probably gets a bit tiring for me to the same things it does mean i'm good at loads of the errors though so i can kind of catch them before they start which is nice but yeah it is one of those things to set up and a lot of which is why i'm on this podcast why i'm talking on john myers where i'm doing those other stuff is to push this idea of like starting in the cloud i've suddenly decided that this is what i really care about with a lot of customers and so it depends when this goes out, but there's a blog series coming out, which is getting started in the cloud. And it's going to focus on the four Amazon pillars and things that you should enable from the get-go with links, with descriptions, with reasons why, just so you can get started. And a lot of what we're talking about today is going to be on those. But yeah, I'm really passionate about people getting this starting point correctly set up so that they can benefit from all the other tools and data. So yeah. We'll get back to our interview soon, but I really want to highlight that it's not all doom and gloom in the world. So now is the part of the show where we shine a spotlight on companies, charities and organisations that are contributing to making the world a better place. Supporting ethical businesses and charities that are doing good in the world is the easy way for all of us to also contribute when we're able to. 
This week's organization spotlight is something slightly different. What I want you to do this week is think about the communities and organizations near you or in the areas that you're interested in and get involved. One of the things I've realized over the last year since I started talking about cloud sustainability and even making it out on my own as a podcaster and consultant is that one of the most valuable things in this journey has been the community that I've built up from people I've spoken to and met online and in person at events. But yeah, shout out to my 25 Slack channels with loads of different groups and organizations and sub things and, and everything else. But yeah, there's a few like climateaction.tech leapers.co which have been really valuable for me and i found that like meeting those people and interacting with those communities to to do things and work on things together that also make you know what you're interested in a better thing so you know with some people i've met through the AWS community builders program we're building a mentoring tool and that's the sort of thing where i don't think we all realize that we have the power if you look at an area where you live or in an area of tech that you work in and you go out and say there isn't a group for me there isn't something that i feel like that should exist you can solve that through the power of working with others who are interested in solving these problems and coming back to climate change and what this podcast is all about is part of bringing you together as a community and as listeners a couple of weeks ago i actually had my first acast subscriber who signed up and pledged to give their support which i really appreciate and it really made me realize that this in itself building a community and i want you to feel like part of that feel free to reach out to me to have a conversation to introduce yourself to talk more about what you care about as well so i can make future episodes better i can meet new guests because i'm sure there'll be some people in the audience listening right now who i'd love to have on the podcast and for you to share your views yeah thank you so much for listening Speak to you all soon. Go out there and find your communities and meet new people who love the same things that you do and have a lovely rest of the week. Yeah, so talking about other things then, because there's more than just the tooling to assess, you know, your actual cost, because what we've been talking about up to this point is just monitoring and knowing where we are. You can't solve a problem if you can't see it. So that's the first step. What other tools do we have then to help you actually reduce those costs and optimize them? Because we've seen some great releases where it's actually like stuff you can analyze S3 buckets and, and get some reports back. And, and, you know, I think that's for me again with S3 buckets. It's like if you are choosing to deploy any, definitely check if intelligent tiering is, is going to be right for you because it'll just do all the hard work for you and it'll just basically auto scale in some ways uh, the storage solution depends on how often you access it. And I think, yeah, what else would you then recommend that people look at? Yeah, definitely. So talking probably about S3 Lens to give you the tool to start with S3 to look into optimizing your bucket storage. And I think, especially when we are thinking about this like greener cloud, storage is such a basic one that you can get right. It's it's not overly complicated because it's objects, you're not having to manage them like you are EC2s. And so looking at storage lens, so there's a lot of free aspects to it that will give you kind of a basic understanding of your biggest buckets, what tiering you have enabled in different buckets, and you can use this to figure out where you can optimize and turn on things like intelligent tiering or move stuff to colder storage. And there's so many opportunities with things like that. There's a really great blog, which is like, if you goose Google, like five ways to save money using S3 lens, and I use it all the time uh, to figure out, and there's some really good tips on there, just finding out which storage you can move into kind of a cheaper tier that is inexpensive because people, because by default, it's nearly always standard storage. 
I've realized a lot of my luck is a standard storage. So I've set some time up to go and do that in my personal account to just make sure that I can fix it. But yeah, that would be the first one I would recommend for sure. And then you already touched on another great one, which is Trusted Advisor, uh, which you can get a lot of good metrics for if you have enterprise support. So for security, for cost, cost is the big one. They've added way since when I first started, like five things you could see on it. And now there's so many that I need to double check what's on there. But as we grow, we want to make sure that we enable you guys to optimize all the different services. And there's a lot of information about reserved instances and savings plans. So commitments that you can make for a discounted rate. But there's also stuff about things like resizing your Lambda functions or idle resources. A big one I always like to talk about is idle resources, Elastic IPs, idle EBS volumes that you can delete and save money and also stop wasting energy on stuff that you don't need. Yeah, it's interesting, like those sort of idle elements and those individual recommendations, because if you stare at Cost Explorer, you might be able to see and read the tea leaves and and figure some of this out. Uh, Because one of the kind of simplest things I used to talk around was like, if you look at EC2 instances, uh, there's two different types of costs. There's EC2 instance charges and there's EC2 other. There's a very healthy ratio of what that should look like. If you start to see other creep above your instance costs, you know you've got backups that are being stored maybe for a lot longer. You might have a lot of unattached volumes, uh, but that's the sort of thing you need a bit of experience to recognize in, in your files. So Trust Advisor kind of just does all that for you. You get a big, nice report. It comes in Excel. You can do what you want with it, but it is for enterprise customers, I think you just said. So can you get access to the full report if you're not an enterprise customer? or do you have to enable that plan? I think you have to enable the plan. I think you get a certain amount of of the checks free from any level, but then I think the cost ones are at a certain tier. You need to be able to do it. But talking about the the cost explorer thing and and like the EC2 other and stuff, I mean, it sounds like you know what I'm talking about, my reInvent talk, because that is what we're doing. We're doing a session on the others, not the 2001 horror film, but the other services on Cost Explorer that you see. So EC2 other and that little, well, it was green now, they've changed the colors. The others box of all the other services that aren't the EC2s and RDS and S3, like how do you save money on this stuff? And my favorite thing about it is people, not my favorite thing, but I like talking about it because people are done to death with like RDS, EC2, S3 stuff. They know it. Like you and C were like, oh, you can do this tearing. And EC2, you turn things off. We have so many services and there's so many ways to optimize. And often these services are ones that people didn't expect when they moved to the cloud. So CloudWatch, CloudTrail, things like that, that they might have enabled that they didn't realize would have a fee involved is how you can track those and kind of optimize. So if you're at reInvent, come find me. I'll be doing talks, panels, kiosk time, podcasts. I don't know. I'll be, I'll be about just like for one of the <laughs> fee blonde girls that is going to be running around at the event. <laughs> Hopefully there'll be loads, uh, you know, we need more women in tech. <laughs> it's funny, actually, I talk about more women in tech as I recently came out as non-binary and I was like, you know, just cha- be the change that you want to see in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which has been quite interesting in, in a personal sense. Is Yeah, I've been trying to navigate what does that mean for, you know, how I engage with these groups and, and everything yeah. else. And But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's nothing to say you can't engage with uh, getting more women in tech, even if you are a straight white man, because, yeah, we're all part of solving the problem. Oh yeah. And I've got to shout out my manager because he, we have, I think, I think we said, he said to me today that we've got one of the most diverse like teams in like a bigger department. And I was like, oh yeah. I mean, we're like, I think maybe 50 or more percent women and we've got different, different cultures, different sexual orientations, different backgrounds. And I was like, oh, we're good. Like our teams, like I love our diversity and I love that. And optics ourselves, like shout out to Alex again, my step manager who I think we counted the day, it's almost a 50-50 split in gender or like cisgender. And it it was just, I was like, oh, I haven't had that before. And it was really lovely. And I really like our team. So just shout out to 
Optics, <laughs> they rule. <laughs> Definitely shout out to Optics. You know, Alex Head, who looks after that team and started the team, you know, she's really built a massive culture. It's funny because I spoke to a lot of the people in your team recently because uh, I had an interview for, for a role. Uh, and yeah, that was one of the things I, I, I mean, I didn't get the job. Clearly, that's why I'm still here now, running my own business and, and speaking to you on a podcast <laughs> from the other side. But you know what? Everyone really called that out. You're here on the podcast saying, you know, the work that Alex did to, to make it diverse and, and have that culture and that was honestly what everyone said on the individual interviews as well. So, Oh, yeah. She is the reason. I I mean, I always wanted to work at Amazon. And then when I got kind of approached to, to work here, I was like, this is so cool. And then I was torn between this and something else. And then I spoke to Alex and I spent time with her. And I, no joke, she's the reason why I chose it. Because I was like, I want to work with this woman. She's very cool. And I see what she's trying to achieve here. And she's definitely done that with our team. And yeah. I think we have job roles open still, no offense. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no offense taken. Yeah, no, I was told you was a job role. I don't I just, know. I, uh... I like, I don't get involved. <laughs> but yeah, no, but no, Shat, of course. Yeah, she's great. She's great. And also, and like, Catherine you... as well from, oh, yeah, from the Catherine. team. Oh, she, jo, um, Alex did an episode of John Meyer's podcast and she talked about some really personal stuff and some really interesting stuff about the team. So if you're interested in learning more, I'd recommend checking that out. Yeah, no, Alex's story, she did a great blog post on LinkedIn. Definitely find yeah. that out and, and, and give it a read because it, it really shows you the power of authentic and honest leaders and, and being a bit vulnerable as well. And, and I think oh, yeah. that's what, like, you know, when, when we look at high-performing teams and, and what makes people mesh, it's it's not the work stuff all the time. It's having that social element. It's having that personal connection. And, yeah, it, it's, it's something you need to work on and encourage because it doesn't just happen overnight and you do have to put the effort in. <laughs> yeah, trust me. <laughs> I, I'm aware of places that don't. But I'm not saying what company, different company. But the um, but yeah, the I think the culture and stuff like that, and uh, we've gone massively off topic. <laughs> but I like it. I mean, it's to great. be honest, isn't this a great topic? Because I advertising was going to segue into a culture thing, but then I was like, is that too? I was well, we like, start. We, that's where we started. Remember, FinOps in itself is partly culture. Yeah. Uh, you know, AWS Octopus team is a great team doing this at the forefront of well. Yeah, Cloud, Maybe I can so. do, let me do the segue. I'll do it. I'll do it. Go so on. My segue Go for it. Be. So optics, like I was saying, we're all like Alex really pushes for us to be independent and really drive and really praises us in our success and bringing that back to things like sustainability and cost optimization. When it comes to building a aware culture of these things, that doesn't happen overnight. It's something that takes a lot of time. People have to be engaged. Like you were talking about the person who were to take on a job role around FinOps. How do they, they have to care about it, they have to have passion. And the same thing comes with being aware of these kind of sustainability and cost things. We like to talk a lot about gamification. I always find that interesting about how you get people to be happy and want to be involved. And when they develop their infrastructure, have these things in mind. And we've spoken a lot about these things like ownership and stuff like that. I have a customer who uses the expression daddy's money, which is my favorite uh, thing that customers have said about their spend because the idea being that daddy's spending all the money on the infrastructure so they don't have to worry about the spend. And so when we try to talk to them about optimization, they're like, we don't care. Like it's, we're not paying the bill. We don't really worry about it. And so we're actually going to go and do an event with them where we're going to focus on sustainability. And we're going to say, okay, they don't care about cost, but how do we focus on being greener? How do we say, okay, we're going to measure your unit cost and that's going to be a proxy metric for sustainability. So when you're trying to check out other resources, how are you going to be to be greener? Because more people like care about that personally than how much their business spends on the cloud. They, especially in today's climate, like you said at the start, people are caring about this more and more as they should. And giving them a way to do it in their job will make them feel better and make them want to be more engaged. 
It's it's almost like that, you know, we're flipping the conversation the other way around. Like for me, in, in some ways, how I see my role and, and what I get people to care about is that exact problem. It's like I want more individuals, whether you're a developer or not, to care about sustainability, see the world through that lens, and start raising things when you see it go wrong. Like, you know, if you're being asked to build a requirement or a feature and it, that feature is to hold data for 12 years because no one knows why, then you're the one who's on the bottom of the floor who can go, hey, does, that doesn't sound right. Can we solve this? And that's wrong and, and push back. And yeah, I, th- I think, you know, personally as well, we are all worried about climate change. You know, there's been so many like kind of times I've hung out with friends recently, whether that's at barbecues and, you know, sometimes the conversation does come onto it and it's like, you know, we're young, we're, we're making our world through tech and, and it's this big looming problem. And you know, that's why I'm passionate about doing it is because I can hopefully help solve some of that and reduce carbon emissions. So yeah, getting more individuals to talk about individual carbon emissions, how they contribute to it, how your team contributes to it. And yeah, there's ways of doing that. So I know uh, companies who basically enrich their care file. So, you know, you can download the care file, get a copy to it from, you know, like I said, CSV earlier or in parquet format. And then you can enrich that by adding more columns uh, for each of those line items of cost. Can you put that as carbon emissions as well and, and do things like that? So, you know, that's the sort of thing where you can actually attribute individual line items because currently that's a bit of a, a problem with the um the inside the the carbon cost calculator inside the, the aws console is that it is very high level so it's it's the account level or it's the um it's the organization level it doesn't go down all the way to teams yet you can't attribute to tags for example hopefully that'll be in the future but yeah we need to start having the conversations now at least yeah and i think that's good feedback. I mean, I'm going to write that down. I can listen to this back. But um, I think that's the kind of stuff where I've heard that before, where people have, they have a lot of opinions on the tool that's been enabled. And I'm just like, we've, I know we've just started. And I think there's a thing, if a big part of Amazon is this customer obsession concept where we really do listen to your feedback. There's a whole part of the support center where you can just request, you have a request that you can, feature request, sorry that you can put in and we do listen to them and people probably think it's just like oh they probably just put it in a pile and it just goes to an inbox no we add customers to it the more customers that talk about it the more we're likely to move up that roadmap and we've seen changes happen because customers want this in the roadmap sooner and it's so much power so if you want to see it down to tags go open your console today and add that data in message me i will pass on your feedback to the correct team and it is, that's one of the things I like about working here is that there is that impact from customers and we do. And that's a lot of the stuff that we do in the Well Architected Labs, which I work on with the Kudos and other labs around it, is I've built out a lab called the Optimization Data Collector or the Collector. And it is a way to be able to pull in, uh, create a data like optimization. And a lot of the modules came from customers saying, oh, I really wish I could pull in budget data. And we just add a new one today with Transit Gateway. And someone said, I want to do Transit Gateway Chargeback. And I said, okay, we have the mechanism, we're going to pull it in. So there's a way to create this kind of stuff and we do listen to feedback. So we're starting out with trying to give you guys more data. So please let us know how we can improve. I mean, yeah, you say starting out, but you know, again, I started doing this kind of like maybe what, five years ago now, the well-architected framework, the the the, the tooling, the, the workshops, you know, all that didn't exist and the cloud formation uh, templates definitely didn't exist. So it's getting better and better all the time. But I guess, yeah, I'd echo, echo Steph and, and say that everyone who's listening today, if you think Amazon should attribute carbon emissions down to tag level uh, to allow you to see that on the console or even append carbon emissions inside the care file or do any of these things, then yeah, make sure you let your uh, account manager, support worker or raise that ticket and get it onto that backlog because they do listen. I mean, there's a whole point of, of you know, the AWS leadership principles. There's a reason why customer obsession is number one because, yeah, that's how they've grown and how they've built so many customers. <laughs> <laughs>
Right. So I think we got a few more things to cover. And, and I think we touched on this already. In terms of getting people to care, why is all this important? We've touched on how it links back to money, being more sustainable and being more efficient is going to save you money. Uh, getting sustainability into that conversation is going to make those teams care more. But you've touched, you mentioned something earlier, and might as well cover it now, but unit costs. You want to talk a little bit more around, because at the end of the day, this is a bit of a problem. And you come across this, you know, a few months after you start assessing your costs is that even though you're trying to get uh, costs to go down, your company's going to grow. Uh, and then you've got to kind of make some like for like comparisons. So, you know, what does unit cost mean and how can we sort of be a bit more intelligent when we attribute costs in that way? Yeah, so unit cost is a big thing. Uh, there is, like I said, I always throw blogs out. A part of my Twitch show, I'm always like, here's a link, here's a thing, because I like to look for this. But it, the, I'm trying to remember the official thing, but I think of it over kind of usage over spend. But to generalize it, it's a way of tracking your spend based on your business kind of indicators. So there are ones that we look at with things like support, not support, um, storage or compute, or there can be ones around a business. So for example, I work in telco communications. That's my kind of customer dedicated area. And there was a customer who was tracking how much it would cost him to per SIM of cloud infrastructure. So how much infrastructure costs per SIM they sell. And so even if their cost is going up, but their sales of SIMs are going up, then that's that's fine. And if their costs are going down and their SIMs are going up, that's great. That means that one line is going up. And if you're watching on YouTube, you see me do this, one line is going down. So that's a really powerful story to tell. And that's more powerful sometimes than just saying, oh, you've saved like $5 a month by deleting something. And that kind of tracking of business metrics is really important. There is ways of doing it for compute. There is ways of doing it for storage. They are can be found on the Well-Architected Labs that had to calculate these things. But yeah, if you are looking for a way to generalize your tracking of optimization, then really recommend using unit costs. And I think in the sustainability pillar on the Well-Architected Labs, they talk about proxy metrics about how to calculate these Proxy things. metrics, yeah. I, I was going to bring that up because you've mentioned two of the proxy metrics, which is compute and storage. And that's measured either in CPU or an hour or it is measured in gigabytes. Uh, sort of, I guess, per month or, or how much you store. And then finally, there's network traffic as well. And, you know, that's how much data transfer there is and how much is going through through the system. Because obviously that's something we're all aware of when it comes to cost, because at the end of the day, uh, one of the biggest issues when it comes to cost on using the cloud is data gravity. So the more data you store and bring into the cloud, the more it's going to kind of keep you on that platform. So if you can be efficient with your data, it can loosen you up that way, but you'll save a lot of money because... You know, at the end of the day, it costs no money to send something to Amazon. But if you're taking it out, if you transfer it against regions, if you, if you, and that's something I say to a lot of people, especially when you're kind of trying to balance d business outcomes. If, if, if you know, if you're trying to solve a problem of, I don't know, page load time, so you cache your web pages or what you're doing in, in in a region closer to your customer, you may need to worry a little bit more about data transfer at that point because thing is going to be moving around the world. It's going to go in between regions and, and data centers, and yeah. It, it's, it's kind of like you've got to do cost-benefit analysis across wider things at that point. And, and that's the same thing with sustainability. It's like coming back to that page loading time. If you can be more sustainable in how you deliver things and that might increase your loading time, well, maybe that's a balance or a decision you need to make because at the end of the day, the fastest, the most secure and the best customer experience is probably going to cost the most money. So yeah, you need to start taking into these business outcomes and what you care about a lot more. And yeah, the values. If you think sustainability is your number one value, then that's where you should start from rather than if you think page loading time is your number one value. <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much for, for sort of all of that great conversation. I've, I've really enjoyed it and, and you know, learning more about the optics team and yeah, sharing everything today. So 
two final questions then. Question one is is a thank you for obviously coming onto the podcast. Uh, where would you like to, us to donate the money to charity? Amnesty International is the one. That is one from podcasts that I listen to. It's a great podcast called Guilty Feminists that I listen to. And they always talk about Amnesty International. And I've done some, I've definitely done some work with them somehow. So that would be lovely to give that, give a donation there. <laughs> of course. Thank you so much. And then the final one then is if people who are listening to this podcast want to live, work or code more sustainably, what would be the one action you tell them to take? Uh, I was like, trying to think of the best like one thing and I found it so stressful I think I, I would have to go with it's got to be the cost visualization or the usage visualization stuff it's something I I don't think I think I think you'll be harder to optimize and be more sustainable if you can't see what you're doing so we, we mentioned and kind of hammered home that curse stuff but invest the time in understanding where your highest usage is and why I think people forget that especially when it comes to FinOps teams it's just an accepted spend on something that might be my cloud watch spends really high just because that's what I spend for CloudWatch when it turns out your retention is set to never delete and then you're saving, spending all this money on storage so you don't need to. And there's things like that. So really go and, especially in the cloud, look at what you are utilizing and ask the question, do we need this? Yeah, and that visualization, at the end of the day, I, I don't think, you know, me or Steph care how you're going to visualize that. There's loads of options. <laughs> you can use Kudos. You can go buy VMware Cloud Health. You can build something yourself on the back of Excel. But yeah, start getting something to visualize it and start using that to start those conversations with those teams and, and start showing it back. And, and you know, we linked it earlier on to gamification. You know, one of the things we used to do was show back the costs at business area level to the directors mm -hmm. because there's less people to have a conversation with. And I can say, hey, director one, you're doing a really bad job versus director six and have fun at this smt conversation while you all fight that out and who's responsible for it so you know this is the sort of thing you can really get those people to start caring about it all uh, and have some great gamification costs you need something to visualize if you want to do any dashboards and graphs so yeah yeah <laughs> everyone loves a dashboard come on yes the, definitely the bread and butter of some of the industry and yeah just to go off what you're saying like you can definitely do the okay you're doing a really bad job in comparison to the other person but don't forget, you can do the way around. Like I love Alex will tell the story. I love being praised. I love to. I love a competition. Very competitive. And so, if you put a prize and a title in front of me, I am going for it. I'm going to try and be the best I can be. And a lot of businesses just just figure out what's going to work the best and motivate your employees. Maybe not to lower the costs uh, for a beer because, as I said, they might delete everything. But what do they care about? Try and get their opinions to understand how it's going to affect them positively. Yeah, well, I hope it goes really well uh, with obviously, you know, you, you talk at reInvent, talk about all the others and, and the elements that you're talking about. With how do we get people to care about sustainability in those presentations and, and, and the future customers? But if people want to hear more about you, uh, where can they do that? What's the best way to get in touch? Uh, a couple of ways. So if, like I said, on the socials, I'm at Lift Like a Nerd. Uh, and uh, I also have the Twitch show, which is the Keys to AWS Optimization, which is Thursdays at 3.30 UK time. And then wherever else you are in the world, because we cover a lot of different time zones at Amazon. And uh, that's on Twitch, AWS Twitch. But if you ever want to email me, I've got a nice handy awsstaff at amazon.com is my email. So yeah, ex expecting feedback about sustainability now <laughs> to come through. Yes. And then, and yeah, obviously definitely reach out. And yeah, thank you so much. It's been amazing. And yeah, have a lovely rest of the week. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Imbue, a cloud sustainability consultancy. There's one final thing from me. I would love it if you could do one thing this week to make the world a brighter place. 
And if you do want to share it with us, then please get in touch with us on social media or leave it alongside your review as a comment. 